you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. good amen amen i won't tarry tonight i know our youth are going to class and we're so grateful for our youth amen all of our children i couldn't be more proud than i was sunday night it was so if you missed it i know it's online you've got to do yourself a favor go back and watch it we had one i think a young lady i mean the swarm was huge when it happened but one got the holy ghost and we're grateful for that amen amen I haven't, I haven't helped out the media team at all. Brother McDonald, I love you, and I pray that you will work with me as best you can. But tonight I want to draw your attention to Exodus chapter 19, verses 10 through 13. And as he's getting us there, if you don't have a Bible, I hope it will be on the screen. Exodus 19, 10 through 13. I want to take a moment and say how much I love my pastor. I never, ever want to take this desk, this opportunity, this place to never take a moment to just say how grateful I am for my pastor. Amen. We have the greatest church. God has blessed us. I'm thankful for Pastor Dylan tonight. I don't know if we would have made it without him, and I'm grateful that him, Sister Kayla, our our pastoral staff, brother and sister Lytle, God has truly blessed us with some great people that God is using. Amen. And we wouldn't be the church without you. I'm grateful that you came to church tonight. I'm excited for what God's going to do. Amen. All right. Exodus chapter 19, 10 through 13. It reads like this. And the Lord said unto Moses, go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow. And let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down. In the sight of all the people upon upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall surely be put to death. And there shall not an hand that touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man... It shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come into the mount. I also want to take you to Proverbs. I know it's probably quicker than what he can, he can get ready, but Proverbs 22 and 6 reads like this. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
Jumping down to verse 28 of Proverbs chapter 22, it says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. And if he's able to keep up with me, one more, Brother McDonald. Proverbs 23, 10 through 13. Most of us can just flip a page or look across the other page and it would be there. 10 through 13 reads like this. Remove not the old landmarks and enter not into the fields of the fatherless for their redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with thee. Apply thine heart unto instruction and thy ears to the words of knowledge. Withhold not correction from the child for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod. I didn't pick it for those words, but it's in there. Amen. And thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thou be heart, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. I want to teach the best I can. I know if you can't tell, my voice is a little under. I don't think that's going to make me a long-winded preacher. And somebody say amen to that. Amen. All right. And if I might, for just a few moments, I want to pray, but I want to pray with this as a title. Landmarks, fences and fields landmarks fences and fields i wonder if you would pray with me and ask god to have his way tonight lord we thank you for the word thank you lord for everything that it says lord i pray that you would have your way tonight lord touch and anoint us as an assembly lord we're called together in your name i pray god that you would be here in our midst lord we lift up all praise honor and glory to you I pray, God, you'd also help me, Lord, help my voice, help my mind that it might say, Lord, everything that you would have for us, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, Lord, have your way, we pray. And the church said amen. Please look to your neighbor, say landmarks, fences, and fields, and you may be seated. I began to look it up in scripture. There are so many times where they'll set landmarks. There was a time where when Joshua brought them through the waters onto Gilgal, they were to put 12 stones in the water and 12 stones on the land, and they were to make landmarks. And, and I want to draw our attention first to what landmarks purpose are. I don't know if you know or not, but we still use landmarks. It's a very powerful thing in our world today when we set a landmark. We look at the world, and I looked it up. What's the most famous landmark of all? And the first at the very top of the list is the Eiffel Tower. Anybody would have guessed that? Me neither. It's just a bunch of metal. I, I just, whatever. I love the French, but America first. <laughs> just kidding. But it was the Eiffel Tower, which is the biggest landmark, and that was a symbol for France to say that we are leading the charge in the Industrial Revolution, and it was a way to say that they're moving forward in industry, and they're at the top of their game, and, and it's the biggest landmark in the entire world. And, and with it, we can look to 9-11 and, and, and see the memorials in New York, or uh, if you go to Indy, you can drive in a wonderful circle of bricks around the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, as well as the Gateway Arch giving you the keys to the Midwest. Landmarks are everywhere, and they mean so much to us. In my yard, I have two landmarks. Anybody have landmarks in their yard? Okay. The purpose of these landmarks is to show my neighbor where to stop mowing and where I start mowing. 
and I didn't put them there. Surveyors did, and they put a stake deep in the ground, and they leave like just two or three inches. Does anybody have one of those landmarks? There we go. Okay, those are landmarks too. That, that keeps me from having to put a rope up between neighbors, which I have now. <laughs> Not me. My neighbors were praying for them. But God is doing a work. But there are landmarks that have been set everywhere. And with landmarks, it's not only biblical, but it's, it's something we can grab a hold to. And the same is true with fences. If you don't know, there are fences that can be put up absolutely anywhere. Fences as well as landmarks. Uh, landmarks in the old days used to mark uh, land for that specific reason. We're, we're moving into a different territory. This belongs to the next tribe, the next nation. And so uh, that's, that's how they used to first mark them before they would begin to build walls and fences. Like in China. <laughs> that thing's like a thousand miles long and you can see it from space, they say. And it's just an amazing feat to think of what it took to set a fence. And, and I have a barn fence going behind my yard to separate me from uh, really close neighbors. I got close neighbors on the sides and really close neighbors behind me. And I'm thankful for landmarks and fences. Amen. You might not. I like them. I don't have dogs. My kids are allergic. I don't have cats. My kids are allergic. My wife's allergic. We don't do cats and dogs. And so when the neighbor's dogs are yapping, I just look at that thing and I, I th thank God there's a fence. It stops short. It always stops short. But my kids will freak. They'll just get stiff as a board. And they'll, they used to scream like, I mean, just meltdown. And dogs love that. Oh, man, that means a dog won, and they just want to get, they want to get up in your face and push on you and just show dominance, and I win, and it's, it's almost like a, a game that they like to play, but I'm thankful for fences. Amen. I'm thankful for landmarks. In fact, even in our church, there are fences and landmarks, and I want to go over this stuff tonight, and I know I'm taking my time deliberately, but I want I want the Lord to also have an opportunity to speak through me. I, I love notes, but sometimes uh, it's better when I just let him talk as best he can through what he's given me to say. And I'll never forget, this is where I just want to share with you um, old landmarks, because there's nothing wrong with them, right? In fact, I've always heard it said that you should always ask why the fence was there before you decide to remove it. And so it's imperative that we look at old landmarks and at least establish, because most of the time we don't have problems with old landmarks. For example, tithing. We do offering and tithes, and it's been well established. I know now that there's a preacher that's trying to say that, that tithing is not a thing of the New Testament. It was fulfilled in law and all this, and it's, it creates so much confusion when really 99.9% .9 of all churches believe that tithing is a biblical thing of God. And so we don't have a question with that fence, right? And we don't have a question. I'll never forget when we grew up, um, cultures changed churches. And cultures would change a lot of times how churches were perceived. Like um, uh, in the, the, the 60s, man, the hippie movement was huge. Any former hippies that want to admit it? Amen. Almost saw a hand from Sister Kara, but not quite. She was just putting it on the back of her chair. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to mess with you. But in that movement, there was such a, uh, a call for rebellion and such a call to go against what was being set in front of you that, that really even churches would set up fences just to make sure they didn't even get close to rebellion. 
In the Bible, when I look back at Moses, uh, God called Moses up to the mountain and he told him, it's really amazing when I read through uh, that, that chapter in Exodus where if you read at the beginning, God tells him, put fences, set borders, and, and make sure that you put it around the mountain so that they don't break through. Because if they break through, they're probably going to die. And it was really wild. It's like God, he, the way it's worded, he says it as though they're going to die. But then later he says that, well, most of them will probably die. Like he knew I was going to do something, but he wasn't sure how bad it was going to be. It's like, <laughs> like if you're going to punch somebody, like I'm telling you, bro, you don't want none of this. It, was type, it felt like one of those things in Scripture. And so Moses begins to describe it. And he says that uh, we set up the fence to where they're not to break through. They know it. it it's set up and guarded. In fact, in old Hebrew um, uh, and Jewish uh, folklore about their old traditions, they set this fence up around Mount Sinai, and then the rumor or the, the story goes that they set another fence up 10 feet from it. Because not only did they not want to get to that fence or get through it, they wanted to make sure that they were already protected in case we forget where we're at. In case we forget where we're going, they would set up fences and they would make sure, don't cross this. This is a border. It's a barrier. It's a landmark. This, this has to stay so that you're safe. And so then Moses went up and talked with God and he comes down and, and God rewards him. Uh, you make sure they don't cross. And, and even Moses is almost reminding God, you told us to put these fences up. They're up. And so that's what they did in Exodus. And I find it amazing that, uh, uh, you know, I was in youth ministry for so many years, 17 years, I think, is what I counted. There were times where, yes, I, I didn't do it all at this church, and, and there were times where I even sought the, the, the counsel of, of the uh, older youth pastors with the Emory's. I don't, I don't know how better to say that. And, and they were such amazing role models in what was going on at the time that I knew that uh, even back then I had to make sure that you know, I was, I was doing what I could to warn young people about fences. Sounds like a message for young people, doesn't it? Y'all okay? All right, just making sure. Because I'm going to get somewhere tonight, and I just, I want to make sure I lay the ground rules first. So in my church, we grew up in South Bend, me and my family. We lived in Elkhart, but South Bend was about similar to Lafayette and Frankfurt, a little closer, uh, South Bend to Elkhart, but... We lived up and we would go to church. We'd go to church four times a week. And we knew in our church, you were there every time the doors were open. That was a fence we set up. We knew in our church, man, you wore a tie religiously. Amen. And you made sure. Now, I don't have one on. I'm not guilting nobody, right? Y'all okay? This isn't to guilt people. This is to show you landmarks and the value in them. And so we had rules that... Um, on Sunday morning and Sunday night, we'd have church on Saturday and on Wednesday as well. On Saturday and on Wednesday, you could wear a light-colored shirt, but on Sunday, you had to have a white-colored shirt if you were going to be on the platform, if you were going to be a part of anything. And they had an orchestra that we were a part of since I was 12. I loved it. I loved being a part of it, but it felt like you owned two suits, uh, dark and really dark, and your shirts were white and really close to white, and it was like you just had the same outfit constantly. And the pastor loved black suits, white shirts, make sure you have a good tie. Don't be too flashy. I don't want to see cufflinks and I, and I don't want to see all this stuff. And so he'd set up these fences that everybody would abide to because it was the age. It was the time where 
there wasn't a whole lot of question. It was do like the pastor asked. In fact, he began to preach one morning or one evening. I, I can't remember exactly when it was. I was young. I was probably in a Sunday school class where he began to preach against television. Y'all remember those days? This is my life, y'all. And we preached and he preached against television saying you don't know what's coming in your home and you can't, you can't protect your kids from every commercial and every ad that comes on, especially late night if things would come on. So get the TVs out of your home. You need to make sure. And so my family ditched TVs until I was 18. We had even stopped going from that church for different reasons. We were finding ways to, we were moving and all sorts of different things like that to where uh, even, even in the move, we would still hold up to what we were raised with. Because it was a fence that was set. Did scripture say we couldn't have a TV? No, not at all. But it was a fence. And it wasn't a fence that my parents necessarily needed. But it was a fence that I cherish. As now an adult, when I look at my kids. I make sure that, that I, I never question it. I know me and my brother were so different. You know, for some reason, I was really good at just going with the rules. I hated failure. I hated making my parents feel like I didn't do what I was supposed to. And boy, he would push that line. I, I'm, it's like two bowls or two, whatever, bovine in a, in a cage. And I'm just sitting there just eating grass and he's banging the fences just as far as he can bang them once. And just how we got to be set free. And it was like prison to him. And I don't, I don't know what it was like for him, but for some reason, that's the role he just seemed to take in our family. Anybody take on that role? Anybody just stand around and eat the grass and let somebody else cause all the mess? Now, I paid for it. For some reason, we would always get in trouble together, but I don't remember starting it. But I'll never forget, growing up, we would go to church together, and we didn't have a problem with that. The doors were open. We were there. We showed up to every event. My father helped build a gym. Imagine. It's like we had practice from the age of like six up until like eight or whatever, we just, we were all about building. We were about helping. I'll never forget my father, uh, he believed in tithing everything. So they wanted to bless him and, and uh, we would even get, uh, uh, he, he wouldn't take money from the church. You know what I mean? Real quiet. Okay. He didn't need it. He had a job. He'd work for the church and they'd offer to pay him because the church was really well off. Didn't matter how well the church was off. He said offense. And he said, no, I'm here to bless my church. My church is going to bless me in a different way. It's not about financial back and forth. And so they would finally find a way to pay him by dropping off donuts on Sunday morning. And I thank peace to the guy that dropped those off every Sunday morning. And they'd give us like cases of Sunny Delight. You guys like Sunny And the weirdest stuff to give you because he just wouldn't take anything from the church. It was a fence. I'm not getting on to you all. Y'all all right? Y'all looking at me. Okay. I just want you to hear me. That, Friday night, I was supposed to preach pretty much this or teach it to whoever showed up at part of family ministries. And my biggest fear when we do events like that is that people just won't show up. They won't see a need for it. But we are families. And even though when you look at life or raising kids, like I'm kind of going that way here in, in what I'm talking about tonight, you might be out of that season, but that doesn't mean you're not playing a role for somebody in their life. When I see our young people, I see them look up to you. Tonight, I saw Wyatt trying to play bass guitar. And when I made eye contact with him, he hood behind Marissa. And as she would sway, he would sway. I'm making sure I'd quit looking at him. I looked at my boys. They were barely awake. My son Sullivan, he's just rocking out. You know, he's playing whatever he's doing. He's just trying to keep the energy going. But they're watching you. 
They're watching me, whether I have the role or whatever the case might be. I'm not a teacher in Sunday school classrooms or in, in youth class, but I, I, I carry this role every time I come to church. And the less I'm here, the more that I'm not a part of their lives. Whether in a role or not, you, that's the thing. I hope you can realize how valuable you are. I know you showed up on a Wednesday night when the pastor's out of town. I'm not beating you up at all. I can't thank you enough for being here. But you have value above a spot on a seat, whether you knew it or not. You have value and people are watching you. And it's when we realize that that we can understand the value of every fence we have. When we worship, we worship together. When somebody comes down and they get prayed for, these are like unwritten fences. There are certain people that consider themselves uh, ministry-minded that will come and pray for those people. When the pastor says, we're going to pray for the names on the list, there's a lot of us that will raise hands and we'll get lost in that, trying our best to reach his throne and pray on behalf of someone else. Those are fences too. Those are things that keep our lives moving. So uh, uh, that's, that's what it is to us. And, and uh, uh, I'll never forget growing up, bowling was a sin. Carnivals, they were, you could pretty much spell the word evil with carnival and and, and to think of all of it, we've all been there. We're all these fences, and so we don't have a problem with those fences anymore. Some we finally have, uh, certain families have said we're not going to concern ourselves with that fence, and we know why it's there, and we'll remove it. And, and a lot of the ones that really do matter still stay. We live holy. We live separate. We try to make sure that we're uh, free from addictions and free from vices and free from things that are taking our time and, and, and capturing all of this stuff. But sometimes we forget why the landmark is there. Other fences that should exist, but maybe they don't. Is a fence when I'm at home and dinner is served. Who do I have for dinner? Lately in the summer, I'm, I'm very grateful my wife's able to be at home. And so we'll have dinner a lot of times at night when I get home and We'll sit around the table, and usually my kids are, I, they're so excited just to see me. Man, I love it. I know. I don't have teenagers yet. I'm grateful. I, you, you can't tell me, make sure you live every moment. Trust me, I love every minute of right now. Doesn't mean I'm worth millions of dollars. Doesn't mean cars don't break down or uh, things show up in your house I weren't supposed to, like varmint or whatever the case might be. But ultimately, I am so grateful for what God has given. And so when I sit down for dinner, I have to make a decision. What am I having for dinner? Not food, but conversation. Where does it stop with my aggravations and my, my upset attitude or my, maybe my wrong attitude? Do I end up talking about things I don't like? Maybe it's a ministry I'm in charge of or uh, just maybe I don't feel like I'm connecting with people and I can't place a finger on it, but... Man, I just, they're driving me nuts. And so, whether we realize it or not, we're placing fences even on those times where we feel like it's just a safe area. And we place the wrong thing sometimes. Sometimes we'll talk about people. We might gossip, and that's a fence that we should have. And uh, uh, not allowing negativity out of your mouth, that's a fence that we should have. I've, I've been working with this guy, um, really interesting guy. He's 31. And um, he's been married once, he's been divorced, and now he's out on the market. <laughs> and so 
you know, I always ask him questions. He does, nobody realizes when I talk about him, and I don't ever do it to make fun of them. or to, I just Sometimes it makes me wonder what in the world. And so he was telling me I'm on Tinder, and I'm on, um, uh, I, I can't even remember one of the other ones. And then he said I'm on Facebook dating, and, and man, that's the best one. And he's talking about all these dating apps that he's a part of, all these crazy ladies that he's meeting. And he talks about how they all got all these issues and everything's going on and it's just a bit of a mess and on with one and on to the other. And, and I broke up with this one and then I washed her and she cut all her hair off. She put on 15 pounds and boy, I wrecked her world. And, and then I'm on to the, and, I, and so he, he feels bad about it, but I look at his life and so he begins to tell me, <laughs> begins to tell me what the world is like today. And it shocked me. Because he said, the ladies today, what I'm really finding, this is a dude that's agnostic. Doesn't, doesn't, this is the one that I mentioned last week that was petty and jealous. That's who God is. Same guy. And so he began to tell me, he said, well, I notice that girls today are really into witchcraft. And so it took me by surprise. What are you talking about? He goes, they're just into witchcraft, man. They're all like, that's, that's what they do if you find out there's this... There's a, a thing about them. They'll, they'll just really get dove into witchcraft, and they're, they're trying to deal with anxiety or depression because uh, I, I preached on it maybe a year or two ago that, that the Bible says that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And when you look in the Bible what witchcraft really was, there was a time where uh, Saul went to go find a median, which was uh, a, a witchcraft lady, and she could go and talk to people from the dead and all this other stuff. And so he, he went and sent and, and sat with her and said, I want to speak with um, somebody from the dead. And so she begins to do her thing, which was obviously not of God, right? And in the midst of it, out comes Samuel, the prophet who's passed away. And this woman begins to freak out because witchcraft is truly a desire to get rid of depression and anxiety. And that's what rebellion a lot of times comes from. That's why fences get moved is because we don't trust God with our future and we're ashamed of our past. And so it's in those moments where we're saying, why are these fences here? And we're, we, we hate the system. Why does it take so long to get plugged in? Why is it, why is it when I'm trying to do something for God, why, why do I come up against all this? And what's wrong that the pastor seems to be just not there? And, and God forbid if he's going through something on his own. And, and we just get rebellious in a sense. Our world is crying out with the same rebellion. And I think, man, that's what the fences are that they put up is a difference uh, of, of witchcraft and, and worrying about uh, uh, depression and anxiety. And so it matters what comes out of your mouth. I made sure when I'm around him that I don't speak negatively. I don't speak even you know, borderlining, just being negative about anybody. I'll listen to them. What have they got to say? And then they, they call me. They say, man, Brandon, you're just a fountain of positivity. No, but to you, I am. It's not that I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not, but truly, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. When they, I mean, it's everything. Oh, there's too much trash. What are we going to do with this job? Look at this thing. How are we going to get this done? It's like, we're okay. We're going to make it. You know why? Because that's a fence I set for myself. And so when people can't understand how come Brandon seems to rise to the top and, and make this stuff happen, I make sure I have the right fences in place. Here's why it matters. Because I've learned that from my parents. 
And I'm hoping and praying I'm teaching that to my children. I heard something so amazing. I'm glad she's not in here, but Charlie made a comment. I forget who mentioned it to me, but somebody asked her, what are you going to do down at camp? Are you going to, you know, find a boyfriend? She goes, ew, gross. That's not the part I'm proud of. But I'm grateful. And they said, oh, you're not going to do shake walks? She goes, oh, no. Mm, mm -mm. Maybe with my friends. It's like, thank, thank you, Jesus. I'll get you all the shake walk money you need. And you and your friends, you go shake walk your lives away. That's fine with me. And so they begin to ask her, why? You don't, you don't like boys? She goes, well, yeah, boys are fine. And I have no problem. But I'm, I'm not trying to date yet. And so the question was asked, and I, it might have been by Pastor Danny, if I remember right. And so they said, well, when are you going to date? She goes, a lot later. I am nowhere near ready. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. I am winning. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing, but we're winning. And so then the question was asked, and this is the one that gets me, who are you looking for when you look for somebody to date? What catches your eye? She goes, I just want somebody like my dad. Yeah. You're being watched. I know I married my mother. I'm okay with it. I know you can laugh your little hearts out because I don't mean it bad. She cares. She's things I'm not. She's what I need in my life. And that only comes when I'm a parent that has set the fences that I need to set in my life. And so I read it in Proverbs. And for the sake of time, I'll spare you reading it again. But it talks about these fields that are called the fields of the fatherless. And the truth is that we have no problem with the old fences. And we understand them. And most of the times, they don't affect us. And we don't find ourselves crossing them. But now we're in this new territory. Where we're in fields that had no fences. It's a new world out there. And yet we're not putting any fences up. For our new world. I don't know about you. But the biggest thing I see when I look at young people. And I look at children. It's these. There's no fence. For phones. And iPads. It's a field that we haven't set a fence for. Do you know why we haven't set a fence for? Because we don't know what to tell our children. Because we haven't figured out where we're going to draw the line. And so the field or the fence that gets set, we end up saying, well, make sure you don't look at nothing bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm on Facebook. I don't look at bad things. But there's ads and videos that will plague and plague and plague. And this phone will listen to conversations that I have at work that I didn't have to even have. They just hear what other people are saying. And so here we are in a field with no fence. And no clue what to do about the future. And the biggest problem we have, uh, I heard it said, and it's in books when you look at Generation Z and, and what was happening and what was wrong. Do I have any 80s babies around here, whether born or raised in? You know what the 80s were like? At least in my house, I had a mother that was afraid I was going to get taken. It put a lot of fear in us. In fact, there was a time where she decided to quit a job that she was at, and 
I, th I think he's passed away now, but her old boss of like 10 or so years would call our house about 10 times a day and hang up. You remember that? Anybody ever deal with that? The old call and click is harassment. And it would get at my mother like nothing else. There are times where you just hear breathing. And she'd freak out, who's there? Who is this? Is this you? You don't call my house. And she's, you know, rebuking the devil. And I'm proud of re rebuke the devil. But then the phone would hang up, and she'd have to go to work that day, and she'd go, you guys don't leave the house. It's summer, and I'm in my late teens or mid-teens, and my brother's probably close to being an adult, and we're hearing, don't you leave the house. Don't you, don't you step outside. We lived on a street. It's called Stiver Street. If you ever look it up, it's in Elkhart, Indiana. Four houses are on that street. And approximately one car every two hours would drive down it. And I had a mother that made sure I never got abducted. You laugh. Go back to your life a little bit. Some of you are great parents. You'll let your kids fail. You'll let your kids scrape their knees. You'll let your kids go through life. But a lot of us become even worse than helicopter parents. Because the world's going to get you. I'm a helicopter parent. i got to work on this. Now, they're young. I'm okay with it. My daughter's making the right choices. My boys, bless her heart. My one son, the, the ER nurses know us. And I've told them that's breaking HIPAA laws. You don't recognize me like that. And so I've, we've got work to do. But when I look at all of it and when I look at where we're going, I have to understand, okay, I, I might be a helicopter parent, but I'm not a lawnmower parent. I'm not one that's making a pass every two seconds. Just making sure, and I'm mowing down everything that they're trying to do. In fact, what we've done in our society is since we were 80s babies and we were afraid we were going to get duck, abducted, we've taken our children, and now they don't go outside at all. We put the screen in their hands. Say, here, play on this. It's evening time. There's lightning bugs. You just never know what's out in the bushes. It's not just you, and maybe you don't do it, but it's our generation. It's our world where fear has struck us so deep. That's why COVID did so much damage emotionally. Because the fear just ramped up beyond belief. And there's people still wearing masks. Good, bad, or otherwise. The rest of us haven't forever. And life moves on. And it's amazing the stuff that gets pumped into you. All day long I had to deal with today about global warming. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go deep in it, but I tell you this. For the last 120 years, if we've been driving cars off fossil fuels, there's a lot of dinosaurs that died. And yet the fear that we're going to use up all the oil, it's like everything. There's fear wrapped around everything to where we no longer let our kids experience life. And then we wonder why they're so attached to something. The truth is, what they say statistically is that social media is doing more to raise our kids than our parents. And yet we'll give them a phone when they hit a certain age. Happy birthday. Merry Christmas. Here's a watch. Happy Easter. Here's another feature. Here's another Nintendo. Here's another Xbox. Here's another computer. We'll just keep plugging things. It's not that there's sin in those, but where is the fence? You've got to set fences. This semester of what we were going to talk about is called the balanced life, and we've got some dates in August, but the point of a balanced life is to make sure that my family feels as though we are balanced in everything we do. 
I've talked about it before where I've taken things out of my kids' hands and, and before you know it, they'll actually use the little kid menus at the restaurant and all that sort of stuff. We still do that. I've got, parent, I've got my, my own parents and parent-in-laws will fight me because I say, well, you're not letting my kids watch YouTube. Well, why not? What else are they supposed to do? I don't know. Live? Well, what about when it gets late at night? They want to watch this kid on TV. and that, I don't want to watch some Hudson play any more on a stupid computer game about it. I'm watching a kid play a game. I would rather you play the game first. <laughs> Second of all, I'd rather you just go get lost a little bit, just a little bit. I'll put a, like a, a little reader tag in your shoe or something, but please just let them get to where they're going to be normal. Let them get to where they're okay interacting with others instead of just online. Because our world is obsessed with online, right? Online church, online everything. Work, I want to work from home now. It's, it's in our society. We are getting so reclusive. And then we wonder why that does so much damage. We weren't built to be like that. You remember when, when the Lord made Adam? And then like a few verses later, it says that he made uh, out of his bone a, a woman. Because it's not good that man be alone. It was amazing if, 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 our, uh, if our music would come. There has to be a part of us that allows our children room for failure. And I mentioned this briefly, but this is a big point to me. We don't even let our kids mow the lawn. You know why? Because it's faster if I do it. My lines look better. It's my mower. Don't you wreck my mower. And all these things, and my kid is missing something so fundamental. I'll never forget. We had, man, there was one, one summer we pulled 23 gophers out of our yard. You know how you get gophers out? Gallon of water. You throw that thing upside down, that sucker crawls up in it. We close the top, we drown them, we did all sorts of things. Listen, the Bible says that you have dominion over animals. And so whether right or wrong, we took dominion over animals. We finally got all the gophers out, and we would mow the lawn. Oh, we would do, there was one year we got a self-propelled mower. Thank you, Jesus. We were so awesome. We would tie a bungee string or tape the handle to where we just started, and I'd let it go, and my brother would be at the other end. And as the blades are coming for you, you're like, I'm going to turn it around. And those gophers have sent this thing off. I mean, you're lucky it doesn't hit the shed. It didn't take out the trampoline. You know, you're just hoping and praying. Just let the mower go back and forth, and we're, we're going to do this as best we can. There was one summer I always told the youth I'd, I'd count down how many weeks of school were left. So I'd draw a big number in my yard, and it was like a big explosion, like a water drop. I'd draw the number five, and it would go out and out and out and out. Five. Five. Just fives. And then when week four would happen, I'd draw a big four. It was springtime. It was the most beautiful grass. But I mowed the lawn. And I learned that if I didn't mow it, I was grounded. I'd get money taken away. I'd have something that would happen. I'd have a failure. I'd understand the value of keeping up with what I was supposed to keep up with. Don't take so much away from your kids that they don't know how to fail. It's okay that they fail at the little things. So man, maybe in later in life, they don't have to fail at the big things. It's okay that my kid goes and tries to get a job and I don't have to interview the boss that he might have. Oh, that's a thing now. Kids get done with the interview. Here's the truth. Puberty, let's just say it. It only used to take two, three, four years max. You know how long it takes now from the age of 10 to 24. We have gotten something messed up. There's a failure to flight. 
things that that 70% of kids that are 18 do not have their driver's license by the time they hit 18. That's a mistake. Well, they're going to kill themselves. They're going to, I get all that. I get all that. But I better let them grow up in this world a little bit. They're not to be of the world, but they are to be in it. They are to function. They are to know they're supposed to have friends. They're supposed to know who their neighbors are. We've got new neighbors now. They're, they're two little kids. This one kid is eight, and I promise he's as tall as me. He's huge. I don't know how to let my seven-year-old play with that eight-year-old because he's like a foot and a half taller. And I'm like, that kid's going to kill my kid. But then I stopped for a second. It was the, the, fourth, the third of July, wasn't it? We just met our neighbors, awesome neighbors. I love them. Great people. I hope one day they're in here. In fact, they're friends with a, a, a couple of our uh, family members that go here. I'll just keep everything blank for a minute. And um, they came over and wanted to meet us. And I was in the middle of cleaning out my truck or something, and it just, or I was going to power wash the house. So I got everything drug out. And she comes over with her kids, and she talks for like an hour. Great. My wife comes out. We get to meet her. He, he comes down the street. We get to meet the dad. Find out they, they read meters. That's how they found the house. He's been around my house like every month for years. And I'm like, I'm sorry. This didn't used to look as good as it does now, but there was, you know, just a mess. And so I, I looked at it, and, and, and they said, well, we're going to light some fireworks off tonight, but it's nothing big, nothing special, and the kids are piping up. Would you guys come? Would you guys come down and watch fireworks with us? Normal dad? Nah. I don't know what you guys believe. I don't know how safe it is. Anybody understand what I'm saying? Y'all act like it. I hope it's not just me, but the fear of what will my kids learn? One kid, my one day, my kid came home, Mo, my middle child, and he, he and he pulls up his middle finger at me. He says, "Dad, what's this mean?" I said, "Well, it originally meant that you had a trigger finger left when you were bow and arrowing people in the medieval times. Now it's taken on a much bigger meaning. You probably shouldn't do that." Oh, I hated it. How do you know cuss words? We didn't bring horror flicks into our house. It wasn't just that, you know, we watch them at night when the kids go to bed. No, we make sure, we're even going to make sure we have a fence for ourselves so my kids have a chance at this world without going to sleep worried. Or what spirit did I let in? I've, I've got to make sure I've got the right fences. And in these fields that we don't know what they are, I've got to set a fence as well. If you'd stand with me. Yesterday morning, I opened my garage door. It was, I don't know, 6.30 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock is when I leave about that time. And I somehow happened to look down at a little crack, and I saw a snake chilling out. I preached on snakes. I don't do them. The devil is that old serpent. They're from the devil. (laughs) And some people are like, let's go place him somewhere nice. No, we're killing him. We're going to do the work of the Lord. I killed gophers. I'm killing snakes. And so he's sitting there slivered up in a little crack between my garage door and, and, and the driveway. And I was freaking out, man. I grabbed my snow shovel and the adrenaline's pumping at a rate I can't hardly control. I don't do snakes. And I'm breathing heavy. If I can just get on this thing, I'm going to have one chance. I've got to keep my eye. Because, I mean, he's like, you know, he's, he's ready. Gardener snake. 
beautiful yellow stripe. I know that stripe anywhere. A foot and a half long, he was huge. And I, and I took my, my, my shovel and I stabbed down. I said, man, I, I think I got him. I'm not letting him go for like hours. And I see this head start coming up and I'm like, oh, Jesus. About six or eight inches of it starts coming up kind of at me and I've got the shovel and so I'm trying to wiggle it around. Somehow he breaks free and he goes in my garage. And I spent all last night cleaning out my garage I'm not living with snakes. And I thought in the middle of everything I'm going through, why, Lord, would you let a snake deal with me right now? And then it clicks. When you remove the fence, the barrier, the wall, the border, it had no opportunity to get in the house. But as soon as I go and press a button without any question, why is this here? Who put this here? What makes this so worth it in my life? Why do we have a beautiful motor and, and a light that comes on? Why is all this stuff here? The moment I open it, I let the very thing that I would die to have in my house, in my house. And yet we have no problem opening the door to fresh fields. Well, we don't know what this is gonna do to our kids. It's fine. I promise. I'm on it. It's fine. They're good. We don't even know. When's the last time you ask them what apps they have? What's the purpose of Snapchat? What's the purpose of Instagram? Does it serve a purpose or do you just have it? What's the purpose of any of these? But we have them on our phones and, and we, we have them in our lives. So then the kids have them in their life. We never question once, what are these fields of the fatherless? My kids are in that field. It's up to me to go and build a fence. I don't know about you, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, cousin, nephew, uncle, aunt, whatever you might be to some of these children around here. It's up to us to walk out in that field that we've never seen before. We might not understand it. You might get out there and say, there's nothing harmful out here. But I need to build a fence. I need to make sure the phone stays in the living room tonight. We need to have a place where we, we have a memorial. We need to make sure, you know what? Tonight, guys, every phone's going to be in the living room. Will they fail? Man, I sure hope not. Well, we're going to set a, a landmark right there. We're going to make sure tonight, I've given you a phone. I trust you with it. But we're going to put it there tonight. Well, how will I get an alarm clock? Great question. Walmart, six bucks. How will I know if somebody needs me? They don't. I'm your father. I'm the only one that will need you. The rest can wait. Well, what if I'm to pray for somebody? Tell them my number. My phone can stay out there. We'll turn them on really loud. We'll listen together as we sleep away from the field. In all of our lives, we have to make sure we put up fences, put up landmarks. I don't know why the computer room's out in the living room now. You don't have to know. You don't have to know if there was an issue. You don't have to know what caused it to hit that location. All you need to know is that's where it's going to stay because that makes us safe. It's what we need in our life. Amen? Amen? I don't know how to close this other than to ask you to close your eyes. I want you to think in your life, what field am I in and where is the fence? Where is too far? The truth is, there's no difference between art and pornography. 
There's not a fine line that we have to find. We just have to understand none of this stuff is meant for me. This is not where I'm supposed to be. And if I'm not supposed to be here, I know my kid's not supposed to be here. And so it's up to me in my life to make sure I live this thing balanced. I have to set landmarks, fences in every field that our family walks in. Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us. God, I pray in everything that I've said, Lord, that it wouldn't be offensive, God. I didn't try to offend tonight. I'm trying to warn somebody, Lord, that we would set some fences in our life, that we'd set some landmarks so our kids don't end up all estranged from us or connected so much to social media or to the world that they feel a need to have suicide and a part of them, God. I pray that you would help us, Lord. Help us to be fathers in fatherless fields. Help us to be fence makers, God, as mothers and fathers and grandparents. Lord, have your way in us, we pray. Lord, do a work in us, we pray, God. I wonder if right now you'd begin to pray for this next generation. The world has called them the last generation. I wonder what it would be like if you'd begin to just pray for our young people. I know they're not down here. Pray for our children, Lord. Have your way, God, we pray. Lord, touch our babies, God. Have your way in my home. Lord, let me set a fence, God, that you desire and need in my life. Lord, I pray you'd help each and every one of our families, God. Lord, don't let us question when they're 20 why they're rebellious. Lord, don't let us question when they're later in life and they haven't learned to live and to love us or to serve you, God. Help us to train up a child. Lord, that way when they're old, they won't go. God, your will and your way. That's it. Why don't you just cry out for just a moment? Why don't you ask God to have his way for just a moment?